0: Having a Gas is the podcast that talks the great and the good of the creative industries. And in particular, finds out what makes great music for film, for TV, for commercials, for dancing to, for cooking to, for f***ing to, and more. Today, I'm having a gas with Tim Cook, a creative director at MNC Saatchi Berlin. I was excited to talk to Tim because we have a lot of common ground. We both love music and we both love native instruments where Tim worked as a marketing manager. So I grilled him about that and more. Tim, welcome to the show thanks for coming on thank you for having me
1: yeah yeah it's exciting it's been, a, it's, been it's been a while right it's been a long time coming what this one yeah because I
0: think one. it was it was in the tank for December wasn't it what was yeah. your Dece- December like flying to London and getting locked down
1: uh, well I, I, I flew back to Lancashire because um, oh, that's because that's where I'm from originally hence the, the accent um and uh yeah it wasn't it wasn't too bad you know uh, getting in was okay. Um, and then I, I worked from home for a couple of days, um, and then it was basically vacation for yep. the rest of the time. Yep. So I had like a good three or four weeks there. Um, but then coming back was just like <laughs> it was crazy. Like in London, they had this whole like variant of COVID and blah 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 blah. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was nuts coming back. And there was people with like residence permits who weren't being allowed to get on flights. So yeah,
0: yeah. And it was weird for you as well. I imagine from, I don't imagine it's that significant, and I don't want to bore everyone with with the Brexit thing because I think I think we're all sick of it now. But uh, you you flew out of the EU as a sort of as a you know friend as a citizen, not quite but almost. And then when you flew back to work, uh, the deal was done and it was all over.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it was. I mean, it wasn't too too bad. Berlin, and especially like for, for the people who've been here for a while, um, I think quite a lot of us got stamps in our passport uh, that were like residents here. So that was kind of okay to get back in, but there was, you know, four or five people in front of me on the same flight. And they had basically um, printouts of their residence permits or whatever. Um, and the airline were like, no, we've been told we can't, we can't allow you to come on. Like we need to have the official... Uh, documents, we need to see, like, stamps and stuff. I thought, God, at least, at least it didn't happen to me. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy.
0: Did you see any of those uh, ads made by Mullen Lowe last year where it was all this kind of pseudo-optimistic, check the guidance, make the changes, let's go. It's, it's Brexit Britain. It's a was new it, era.
1: Mullen Lowe, I, yeah. I, I I remember that. And, like, it was is that is that, is that the one where they're all walking through factories and yeah. things like that? And you're just like, this seems... Awfully like optimistic, and yes. now you know a few weeks later, three weeks later, people have been handed huge. Bills. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? <laughs> so, we,
0: yeah, you could do it. You could do a bunch of parody adverts where, wherein you know, people are getting held up uh, on the way to Berlin and saying, "No, you're not allowed to come in." And do pretty, do pretty much yeah, same yeah. optimistic yeah. tone of voice. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's
0: funny. Though. Know, that's it, isn't it? We're all, but but we've all had enough of the the political thing. So, yeah. for you and me, let's go back to the start because we are both alumni of UCLAN.
1: We are, yeah. yeah Which is how about funny. That? The, do, do, the, there's also like I I didn't know this at all. But obviously we have like people like Nick Park as well who went yeah. to went to there as well. Uh, and then I went randomly to a talk at, at RGA in Berlin. Yeah. And the guy um, the guy was there, and he came from from the New York office, and he was like VP of Brand, and I'd never heard of him before. And he was talking, and he uh, he showed a picture up on the board. And he was like, "Yeah," and this was my design school. I'm like. That's U Clan, and then I spoke to him afterwards. And his name's Mike Rigby, and yeah, he's also like an alumni of, of U Clan. Uh, what else is that? There? There's there's also the guy from DDB Nord as well. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he's he's also uh, an alumni. So yeah, crazy.
0: Yeah, I re- yeah. I reached out to you. Uh, you know, uh, I've been wrapped on the knuckles a couple of times for being too aggressive with like new business strategy, but um, or like you know just uh, reaching out to people. Uh, too often, or something like that. But uh, I, I was reaching out to a couple of people who were at VCCP, and they came straight in from UCLan's creative advertising course. That's and, cool. And I was like, you know what? Like, when are we going to get the phone call to go back and do this masterclass for how to get into the creative <laughs> industry? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well,
1: I I I don't know if I can help on that. I don't think there's any any crazy like easy way in these days. It's just, there's not. No. Tell Tell so. us
0: about how you got in.
1: Well, so uh, I mean. Going way back, I studied marketing for, for my degree. And to be honest, I wasn't really meant to go to, to, to university. I sort of like had my trajectory of finishing college and then just, I don't know, applying for the RAF or going somewhere like that because just didn't have any great great big plans or anything. And then my dad took me to, to UCLan just to have a look around. Um, and I, I don't know how it happened, but eventually I signed up on a media english and marketing mixed course um so i did that realized after year one that i hated english um because they were talking about russian like yeah
0: russian blah blah blah, and i thought well like novels and stuff
1: yeah exactly it's all like the literature side side of things and it just that just wasn't for me really um but marketing i loved because i thought this is like you know this is business but this is like creative business so i kind of like that and uh, media as well, which I kind of continued, but then I eventually dumped that as well. And basically, after a false start um, in sort of like year, year two, I just focused on marketing as my final. Um, and I'm so glad I did because that, I think, gave me a really good basis for a lot of things, actually, uh, a lot of strategy um, and and that approach. Um, I never got onto the, the advertising side of things, and I wish I had. But marketing strategy is still pretty good. Uh, but I heard you know, from, from many people that the, the advertising course is, is pretty good at, at UCLan. So. Yeah,
0: we, uh, we just released, or oh, I think we've released it now today, uh, a chat with the chief creative officer at Havas Links, Paul Kinsella. Mm-hmm. And he was a UCLaner as well. And I think he did the creative advertising thing. He was telling me about how he, he, he was very uh, guarded in saying I was at uni and I was working at the bar. And I never realized he probably meant source. And yeah.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Ridiculous. Wow. Source. Wow. That that that's going back. Yeah. yeah. Source survival. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Sticky floors. Exactly. Um, so so yeah. I mean, I did I did marketing with marketing strategies, like sort of like the main thing, um, and then I went to work for a year, uh, just doing any old job. Um, I've actually got like qual. Quali- quali- I've actually got qualifications in like um, in. Energy efficiency. I don't know yeah. how it started as like a summer job, and that progressed. So I did that for a year. But me and my partner at the time thought, you know what? Like we kind of want to go somewhere. I want to go and see the world. Go and experience stuff. And Berlin was was the, the number one because we were like, yeah, we were into making music. We we're into dance music. We we're all about like that sort of life. So we moved over with some savings in 2012. This is, uh, and we thought. You know, fuck it, we'll have 12, we'll have six months of just like, you know, living
0: the life. Thinking that's, that, that's going to be it, six months. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. And then it got to like sort of month five, and I thought, ah, shit, we need, I now need to start looking for a job. And yeah. we're in Germany, in Berlin. And I thought, well, at least now's a good time to like rely back on that sort of marketing degree a little bit. And uh, I got a three month internship at uh, Jamster. Um, do you remember the crazy frog?
0: Oh God, yes.
1: <laughs>
0: oh God, yes. Yeah, so yeah. you there must you, go. Been, you must have been in like year ten when that came out or something.
1: Yeah. God, it was, it, that, that was a very long time ago. At least a, at least you know, 2001 or something. Because... I think
0: it was I think it was when I was in year seven, which was two thousand and four. Wow. Yeah. God, yeah, so so long ago. Yeah.
1: But they were still doing those, those ads, those same ads. Uh they were still running them and they were still pretty pretty successful but i was there for um a couple of months i think it was 3 months in total or maybe less and uh and that actually you know like shitty sort of like products and stuff it's you know it was a bit bit of a scam in a way but uh learned so much you know you you learn about uh buying ad space cuz we had to yeah. do all the all the ad space buying um we had to do concepts for like the production team to to basically to to do um we had to think up of new products as well i mean products are very loose in this but new products so actually it gave me a really good like basis of like what marketing is and also a bit of like the creative concept type of world as well um but then i got poached by a wpp shop over here um and i went to work as a social media manager for a year Mm -hmm. and this is where it all goes a bit bit weird so i was a social media manager for a year I'm um, doing a lot of like sort of copy and uh, tracking of social media campaigns. Um, but after sort of like a year of working for sunglasses and for Mini, um, the creative director sort of like took me underneath her wing and said, "You know, here's here's some some opportunities to work on some campaigns." Um, so that's so that, is that to the wo- first
0: time you would got to do creative work as opposed yeah, to strategy exactly. work. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Um, so I started to work as sort of like a, a writer. Um, but my my creative director, Winnie Sang, um, she was really cool because she was also a bit like, you know, you don't just write. You can also look for mood boards. You, and then from the, I think it was one day actually, there was a spare Wacom going. And she was just like, here you go, have a Wacom. And then suddenly, you know, it's like, right. So now I need to start like actually drawing stuff and comping things up and doing shit like that. Um, And she would help me, you know, which is good, um, and to improve and things like that. But up until then, you know, my sort of like, my creative side of things wasn't Photoshop, it wasn't things like that. I dabbled in it when I was younger, but it wasn't, you know, how I was a creative, it's more... If anything, writing, um was yeah. my sort of background. I,
0: get, I I got that you were sort of about to kind of grasp that. It's like if you had to give me a craft, you would go towards writer. But it yeah. sounds more like kind of overall concepting and yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. thinking about stuff that way.
1: Exactly. So so and that that's the that's basically the, the main thing. It's just, you know, it's it is it is, it is, it is ideas. Yes. Um, that are the most important thing in the world, really, for what we Oh do. yeah.
0: Like uh, did, so, do you do you have the same kind of, um, I suppose, jealousy that I have? You know, when you see people who are really well trained in the craft, particularly on visual things, and you know, designers who can just go, "Oh no, no, you just move that there and there, and then it's perfect." And how did you know that? I don't know how they do that.
1: Uh, I am absolutely yeah, well, jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was actually speaking to, to one of our colleagues in London uh, last week and we're thinking about sort of like what we can, like themes that we can set for, you know, the, the agency or like for teams throughout the entire year.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and my sort of theme that I really want to focus on is like craft and, and detail. And it's also one of the things that I'm just like, oh, it's just, I'm just not good at it. Like, and big picture, great, yep, but yep. like ah, oh, the details and getting really nitty gritty and pixel counting, and oh, I do struggle a little bit. But you know, um, that's why we have you know amazing designers, amazing yes writers, just to yes. help um, help with that as well. So
0: and so there's so many there's so many things like I want to delve into and that are going to be interesting. But I want to stay on this craft versus ideas thing for a minute, because I was talking about this with Jules Chalkley, the chief exec, uh, uh, creative at, at Ogilvy. And he said the same thing. He's like, you know, I you, um, I am better with ideas than I am at craft. And I said, well, you can say that because you're the chief exec at Ogilvy. But, you know, I, I get all the time, I get like, you know, teenagers saying, oh, I have the best ideas in the world, but I just don't know how to get them out. And so I need someone to do that for me. So, you know, usually like young kids who want to be like rock stars. Yeah. And I say, well, no one's going to do it for you. Like how many how many technicians do you think are lining themselves up to turn you into a rock star? Yeah, exactly. They're going to keep those skills for themselves. Exactly. So, but you can learn craft. And we'll go into this with some of the native instrument stuff later. But um, what do you, do you get a, um, what would you say, like a log jam? when you're trying to get your idea over to someone who does know the craft and it's and it, you have to be a master at articulating your idea
1: i no i don't i don't think so i think because i've just done so many things yeah um whether it is like the art direction things whether it's um working on 3d stuff whether it's sort of like you know messing around in after effects whether it's you know even talking to composers and things like that like for me i don't i don't get too much of a logjam. Um, okay, good. Because you know, I think I think once you you've done so many different things, like it just informs you. Like you might not be the best at doing it, but you kind of know how to guide somebody towards there. Yes. Um. So yeah, I don't I don't see too much of a problem.
0: Well, that's really good. And but you said that you're trying to learn some of the craft now. Yeah. And, that, I'm st- and again, that's something that Jewel said. He said you can learn the craft. That's the good yeah. news.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, it's all just patience and. Uh, just doing things. Like get, that, that,
0: that's how you learn. Just do it. it. Um, and getting used to the frustration of when you've, ru- you've run through all the things you know how to do, and you're still not getting what you want out of it. And then you're like, Ah! Like now comes the pain. I have to learn something new and feel stupid for a bit.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. But that, but that's like that's like the beauty of it because you learn something else, and suddenly something that you've never even thought about before somewhere else becomes a lot easier. Um, so you know, like um, a good example is you know if you want to learn, want to learn to sort of like um, draw eyes and things like that. You start doing big bold shapes first that are so random, yeah. and then suddenly you start getting like the muscle memory doing those like big shapes, and suddenly that eye, which was so difficult, becomes a lot easier to sort of finesse. Yes. Yes. But it's it's the time,
0: and, <laughs> and it's also you know like the, when you have a great teacher, it speeds up. process so much so i'm gonna uh i'm gonna try and throw it up as an overlay here last year when we were in lockdown me and my two flatmates two guys i grew up with we were uh because you know everyone had to be very creative in ways like how am i going to fill my weeks up and have a schedule so we were like thursday night is like when we kind of teach each other a skill so chris was teaching us how to code in python i was teaching them how to use ableton and uh our mate dixon uh was teaching us how to draw and I believed forever I cannot draw that's it some people can some people yeah. can't and Dixon was like no no okay so draw me a head and you go what just now he's like yeah now I need to do it and he goes right so everyone starts drawing a head with their wrists and you do circles with your arms like that yeah. and I just did it I was like oh my god how did you know that he's like well I've done it 15 years yeah and, exactly uh, exactly and that's it. like you say you start out doing something and you think well I guess this is how it works and you have to get you have to get well acquainted with that process of feeling like an idiot because you're doing it wrong because that's the only exactly. way you're going to get better.
1: Exactly. And that's, and, that's, and that's the way it is. I mean, it's the same with music. Yeah. And you're learning an instrument. So, yeah.
0: yeah. So let's get into that. You worked at Native Instruments. And yeah. what was your musical background? How did you get in there?
1: Well, I, I played music since... I, well, I played instruments since I was young. I was actually thinking, I I, I can't actually remember when I started to play like, uh, play an instrument. It was definitely piano. Um, but I can't remember whether it was, like, five or six or seven, but it yep. was when I was very young. Um, and so I did that, you know, as a young student does. Um, and then I always remember being very nervous in, like, secondary school. I changed schools quite quite a bit when I was younger.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was when I changed uh, sec- secondary school in... Yeah, it must have been... Um, this must have been 2001, I changed school and I had my headphones on in music and I think we were all like meant to like play, I don't know, like a version of Bark or something like that, whatever it was that we had to learn in year seven. And I remember everyone else trying to play, play it like painfully and then I just unplugged my headphones and there was a beat going and then I just did a whole remix of this like yeah. Paco Bell's Canon or wherever it was. Yeah, I just thought, wow, okay, this is cool. The yes. teacher, like my teacher loved it Um and so I think he like took a shine into me and sort of like, um, yeah, just pushed me towards keep, keep making music. Um, and then I got into sort of like the realms of hanging out with music people who are all like into weird music. Yeah. There's like stoner guys and um, yeah, like sort of like metal guys, rock guys and, uh, and girls as well. Um, some jazz musicians and things like that.
0: But to be it's fair, you know, you're saying there's girls as well. When we're at school, we don't know how to talk to girls. So we tend yeah. to you know what I mean? We yeah. yeah. like
1: that. Well, I think I think not even that. Like, you know, when when I eventually did my GCSEs in music, um, yeah, there was a class of I think we were about seven or eight people yeah. in the class, and there was like two girls. So
0: Yeah. You know,
1: that's 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 how it is. And you know, we were we were a pretty big year. We were at least a I don't know, 150 to 200 people in my year. Yeah. Um so to go from that many people down to a you know seven eight people whatever and then two of those are girls just I mean yeah that's yes the, that, that's how crazy it was yeah um so yeah so i did i did that i studied music um went and did music tech at college um which was okay and that's when and that's when I sort of like gave up and thought like no more education got to I don't know, the RAF or just go and get another job
0: somewhere else. Um, it's interesting that your first thought was like, well, not your first thought maybe, but the RAF, you know what I mean? So you could have been a Captain Cook. And yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, why didn't you just chase that for his, for his own sake? Yeah, well,
1: my dad went to my dad went to, to, to the Navy in the 70s um, and he was in like brass bands and things like that. Yeah, so, yeah. So Are you seeing...
0: considering doing one of those where you do music in the military and they kind of pay your way or...?
1: I wasn't even thinking, mate. To be honest, no, okay, <laughs> it was yeah. just one of those. Just like, I mean, you grew up in those type, like.
0: What, what about 16 I, at this point? 16, 17.
1: I was 17 uh, or 18, yeah. And then you know the financial crash happened, mm. and, that, and that that's when I thought, sod this, I'll just go and get a job anywhere. Yeah, um, because there was there was nothing up north, really. To be honest, yeah,
0: for, for, hard times. I mean, I was quite well protected from that. I was in year ten in the financial crash. Shut so. up. Yeah, Shut sorry. Up. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's exactly. like um, people that age during COVID. If you're like thirteen, you know you've missed a fair bit of school, but you're yeah. not in GCSE, you're not in primary school, so you've got your development done, and you yeah. haven't got a job. So if you're thirteen at the moment, you've got time off school.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, it's just it's bizarre. It's weird but anyway so uh so that's like my music background and then obviously i moved to berlin because i wanted to make tech techno and uh did that Released quite a bit of music when i was here in sort of my my first few years before you know the advertising job uh takes over a little bit um and then you know i was going through different agencies we spoke before about the one at wpp Mm -hmm. and i did a year here at sports entertainment uh berlin um that was really cool then I went to another agency that was a boutique agency for Asics and Asics Tiger, um, and we did some stuff for Diageo, um, which was really fun. Really small, like band of rebels. It was like, yeah, pretty interesting. And then, sort of like, I was able to, well, the job came up basically to be a marketing manager at Native Instruments, and I yes. thought, you know, I've used I've used Native Instruments since I was literally 13. Yeah. Um, so why not go go for it? And I went to the interview and. You know, I think it was like a pretty wild interview process. I think in total it was, I don't know, five, six hours between yeah. three three different meetings of people. So it was a long process, but, you know, the first sort of meeting that I had, uh, we had to present like, you know, a marketing strategy type thing. And I'd done this presentation from like adland style. So it was like, you know, here's the mock-ups,
0: here's the copy. Oh, okay. Blah, blah, blah. So that kind of helped you get over the line a bit because you exactly. were trained in presenting to clients.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. And also, you know, the presentation that, that that you were sort of like asked to create, um, for me, it's, I mean, it was a concept. It's like, by that point, I'd done a million of them yeah. in different brands or whatever. So it was fine. And we were um, maybe
0: competing against other candidates who weren't going to have like a full pitch deck.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly, for sure. For sure. And then, yeah, um, And then after I presented, we had about an hour and a half uh, just talking about native instruments. And they were asking me, so what was my history with them? And I was like, yeah, you were the first software that, no, you were actually the second piece of software I learned to crack. When I was 13, you know, the first piece was Cubase. Wow. So you went in
0: saying I nicked your stuff. <laughs> yeah,
1: basically. And, <laughs> I, and somehow they, they, you know, they, they hired me. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, I was working there for, for, for a year. Uh, and that was pretty, pretty cool as well. But I'm guessing
0: with organizations like that, like Native and, you know, Waves and all the big, big, big audio brands, they're not stupid. They must know it's so easy to crack their software. So what's their, how do they get around that? What's their business plan for saying it's so easy to get it for free? You know, uh, how do they justify, uh, or what's the right question? You know what I mean? How are they okay with it?
1: Yeah. I, I, it's, it's difficult though, because, you know, like whilst, whilst there is piracy and obviously piracy does happen, you know, they're, they're still selling enough, um, Enough products at the end of the day, you know yes. what I mean. So it's not. So we've got cheap. big
0: enough profit margins that the ten thousand teenagers yeah. cracking it yeah. doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. And also, like, I, I mean, this isn't this isn't their strategy at all. Um, but I also think that, like, you know, as soon as you make something accessible for people, even if you don't get their their email address or telephone number or contact or whatever, they're in your funnel. If yes. you know what I mean, they're, yes. they're in your world. So if something else pops up, yeah. it becomes a bit more like, okay, blah, 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 blah. And then you start building that way. The thing is, I guess I guess they kind of saw this as like, you know, people are still sort of like pirating software in 20, uh, 2018, I think it was. And so that's when they, they created Complete Start, which was like their, their free, free uh, complete bundle. Amazing. And then that that's I mean, it's a fucking amazing bundle. Like if so I'd have got like, that when I was like yeah. 13, I, just, I mean it's amazing. What, so. What's
0: what what's in it for the benefit of the tape? What's in it?
1: Uh I think Monarch is in it. I think yep. there's some Machina drums,
0: yep. I think. Um
1: and just yeah, a few other, few other So it's enough
0: of, of a hamper that you get you kind of what you need to get started. And then the the so this it sounds like you were saying the strategy is regarding how easy it is to crack software. Uh, eventually ten some percentage of the people cracking the software become customers because they yeah. love our product, which yeah. we do. You know, I will say I was cracking Waves uh, plugins. That's how I learned to mix using Waves yeah, when I was exactly. a student because someone exactly. went, here's a USB with all the stuff. And that, then for that reason, you know, I came into GAS and I was like, we have to get the Waves Diamond bundle. And so now it's on our, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's not what you're going to pay for. It. Exactly. I mean, I think, I think um, of, of all the companies who did it, like, exceptionally i think adobe did it amazing
0: yes i have a lot of admiration for them cuz we just uh, updated all our uh, editing software to be all adobe and i'm like it's just i it's it's easier than piracy <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly i mean i mean it's an ecosystem you can pay you know shit tons for the, for the full suite you can also just get the bits and pieces that you need yeah um it all works together like seamlessly yeah um so I mean they 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 smashed it, really, um, and so yeah, I think I think with native like yeah it's i mean it's a really interesting business because you know like I don't know when when you think of of when you think of them in terms of of a like another brand um they are literally almost like the Adidas, you know what I mean, like everyone if you, you, if you everyone had to compare uses, them
0: to another sector, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean. So it's like everyone's got some Adidas trainers at some point in their life. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And you know, they 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 do take you from sort of like bedroom amateur first like musician to you know, like to the top of the top. And everybody uses that their products. So uh, so that's really cool. And then you know, you 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 have a lot of these like these these sort of newer competitors now. I, well, they're not really competitors, but, you know, when, when you think of like Spitfire, I think they actually describe themselves as like, you know, being a bit more like Burberry or Barber, you know, like very British and sort yeah. of like, that's yeah. their, their sort of like, their, their DNA really, so. But the thing with Spitfire
0: yes. is you still have to plug it into the contact uh, <laughs> players. Yeah, so yeah like more or less. They've done that empire building thing at Native where you're like, cool, you can compete with us as long as you're in our shop window.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think there's a few, few new, newcomers. Is it, Gorilla? Is I'm not sure wrong? about
0: Gorilla. You'll have to tip me off about that.
1: I, I, I have no idea. I think it's called Gorilla. I might be completely and utterly wrong. Um, but that's I think that's like a new contact style yes. Yes. Um, thing. Never used it though. Um, well, the yeah. thing
0: the thing I get when you look at stuff like, you know, because we use we we have the complete uh, package here that's that's kind of what we got started on as composition tools and, and obviously we've got Spitfire now and, and, and a bunch of other stuff uh, Omnisphere one of my favourite synths yeah. in the world the problem is with less so with Omnisphere but generally with all audio audio software anyway I always look at it and I'm like I am only using like five percent of what this can do. There yeah, is yeah. so much, and I I feel like I can't tell if I've got the right approach because I'm sure it's something like if you get the right sound out of it, you're using it right for you. It's yeah. not meant to be that everyone uses all of it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Are you are you using a complete control?
0: We have yes. They've got a complete control uh, here, just off camera. Eighty-eight keys. Uh, I don't you, uh, use I don't use the software plugin that you're referring ah, okay. to that much, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I know it's good for browsing, but. I still think no one has quite cracked that problem of how to browse for the perfect instrument because yeah, yeah, yeah. do you use, use battery, the drum, drum library?
1: I do, yeah, yeah. But I, but I use it in complete control software, you see. Right, tell and me that, how to do that. Well, no, no, you can just like, you, you can actually just load it up. Yes. Um, just like. So
0: you, and, so, and, so if I was, yeah. I've, got, so I've got a Cubase session here. Yeah. I open uh, I open complete control. That's where you'd start. You'd be looking yeah. using that thing
1: yeah exactly exactly okay. so it just it becomes your rapper and i think you know i'm just uh, that was one of my my products that i had to sort of lead on and for, for ages i was just thinking like what like, what's the benefit of this like who's going to actually utilize this like what what what's
0: the reason why was that a challenge was it because everyone already knew what they would go to
1: yeah like everyone has their own work, workflows and yes I was the marketing manager for it. And even I had my own workflow that didn't involve complete <laughs> yeah. control like, at all. And then, you know, like, I think I, think I gave it a, a couple of weeks. And, and after a couple of weeks, I thought, fuck me, this is so easy.
0: Because Why have I not like, been using this? Yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. Because you literally have all the presets you could possibly want, all the sort of plugins you need. You
0: and can, you can bash all the plugins into the interface without clogging up your DAW.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I use Ableton um, and I'm sort of like a a stock, stock sort of PST person. Um, I think you can do like, tons of stuff. When you say stock, stock VST,
0: do you mean the in- instruments that come built into Ableton? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, like, there are reverbs and things. Like that. I have a few Max for Life um, yes. convolution stuff. Yeah, the um, convolution
0: reverbs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, that is one thing I will say about Ableton. I really hope this isn't getting too geeky for anyone listening, but the Ableton <laughs> reverbs, the, the native reverbs, are, cool, are very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah the native ones. Especially yeah. the the tight ones, you know. The,
1: this this There's a new one coming, right, uh, in... Ableton Eleven, right? So I think I think that's that's meant to be like some crazy cool reverb shit. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, <laughs>
0: but um, we'll see to what get, that comes to, out get like. to get back onto complete control, we should yeah. say for the benefit of the tape because uh, some people listen to this podcast while they're working from home, um, and will not know what we're on about, and some people will be you know uh, music techie. Uh, nerds who know exactly what we're about complete control effectively well you're the marketing manager so you can describe it but it's a way of not only browsing for but also playing instruments in the same window isn't it yeah
1: exactly exactly that's basically it. you just summed it up <laughs> but,
0: but crucially you don't it's not you don't just look scroll and look around for them you can actually type or like select you know what kind of sound are you looking for airy or, you know, yeah, exactly. So it's, or yeah
1: exactly so it's so it's all tag based um yeah. So that makes it super easy to to look for things that, that you want. Um, you can obviously search for stuff. They they really try to do stuff with uh, samples as well. Yeah. Um I, I don't know about about the sample player. I've never really uh, got got into that. I always just use either sampler or simpler uh, in Ableton um, or Exs in Logic. But yeah,
0: I don't know. Yeah. Well, even there with this with with Ableton's um, sampler, I'm like yeah. I'm only going to use the Simpler because that sampler looks complicated.
1: It's, it's pretty intense, you know. And then, and yeah. then you can put things like all oh, like your AM and FM synthesis and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah. But... Um... So you, so you were a marketing manager at uh, Native Instruments and you were trying to crack the problem of who needs complete control and why do they need it. And you started yeah. using it. How did you take what you'd learned and try and get it out there for people?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we, we tried. Uh, but by this point, I'd left, but I'd already had the habit of, of using complete control. Um, so the sort of habit of using complete control came like, you know, basically as I was leaving. Um, mm. So I didn't work on that, on that project anymore. Um, but we we're always trying to sort of like show, like, look, this is this makes your life easier. Like, the browsing makes it easier. Um, the fact that you know, you don't need to look through your sort of VST folder and remember what particular piano that you want is like, here's a nice uh, GUI, you know, and it's noir that you want to play with or whatever. Like, you know, like, so, so things like that just to, just to make people realize that you know, this wrapper. Basically, which is what it is, it's just a wrapper for your yes. your B S T. is actually quite quite useful when you're a composer, when you're beat making, you just really want to find stuff really fast. Yes. Um, so and that and that was the main thing, and especially for people who have or who had a complete start trying to make this sort of a workflow, um, you know, like your 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 basic essential workflow tool, um, I think was quite important. The fact that you know you load in your your sound or whatever, and all the knobs are, are already mapped out yes. to you, or like the key ones. I mean, like that's that's just flipping amazing. So is. again, <laughs> you know. for the
0: for the benefit of any layman listening, what that what that means, in my understanding, is that if you bring up a massive X synthesizer, my favorite synth is Massive X. If you bring up one of those and you want to play with the sounds a bit, there's like a bunch of arbitrary knobs on most keyboards that, you know, you can just turn, but they won't do anything unless you spend hours assigning variables to them, like dynamics and pitch and all this stuff. When you get your instrument on complete control, it's already all done. So you've effectively got got this off-the-shelf synthesizer the, uh, or instrument every time coming into the same keyboard and, yeah. you know, really, really uh, manipulable. Yeah. And so when I'm talking to producers at the moment, a lot of the, the question I get is, you know, when I'm trying to uh, pitch and, and win business, they say, you yeah, know, I'm getting a bit tired of the MIDI sound though. Can you do anything? What's, can you, have you, have you, do you do anything live? And I think what most people outside the industry don't know at the moment is that almost everything is a sample.
1: Yeah. 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 Exactly. I mean, we have computers now which are, like some, like the, the processing capabilities are massive. Yes. Most people have at least 16 gigabytes of RAM. Um, obviously, yeah, you can do lots of things with like, you know, with with synths and do all like the, the sort of like the analog modeling and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you can also just sample a Moog or whatever. And, yeah. you know, it sounds the exact same. And, you know, you use that. It, it gets assigned to your RAM. Um, but obviously, we've all got a huge RAM now anyway so yeah. why, why not use samples you know and then you can just sample more and more and more and more yeah. obscure things as well
0: and so know? i suppose what it means is like every string you know bow every string yeah. note you hear coming out of one of our compositions it was once a, that is the recording of someone playing that note exactly. and just some people who are absolute wizard with technology and software have made it so that you can play it with a keyboard. Exactly. Uh, did you ever get much interaction with the actual development people at Native Instruments? No,
1: like not, not too much. Um, that was basically a, another team. You yeah. dealt mainly with like individual products and I dealt with Complete um, complete Suite, basically. Yeah. Um, complete Suite is like, it makes up a huge chunk of the business and it's quite sort of like very important, um, or at least it did. Um I think it does. Uh, hmm. And uh, you know, like that make made up a big chunk, chunk of the business. So it needed yeah. like looking after uh the individual products. Um they were important, but you know, it's it's yeah, it was another team basically. Well that's um, the thing. I, I know I know I know that my friend went to, to Cremona though. He 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 went to, to Italy um to Cremona where they had these amazing stratavarius violins going hmm. back four or five hundred years. And, and they, got they were sampled them yeah, yeah. And they were sampling them for uh, for the, what's, what's it called? Something quartet. Cremona Qu- quartet, I think yeah. it is. Um, and that sounds amazing. Like Wow. That sounds amazing. It's a little bit bright, but for like a stratabarius that's like four, five, 500 years old, worth, you know, well over a million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> for a violin.
0: Another thing, for the benefit of the layman, uh, yeah, the Stradivarius violins—I uh, think you'd agree with this, wouldn't you, Tim? They're, they're considered the best violins in yeah. the world ever made. Yeah. And yeah. was Stradivarius the engineer who made them?
1: Uh, I—I'm th- I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely sure the whole entire product, uh, project. I know that they just that some of them go back literally to like the 15 or 1600s. Yeah,
0: they're like the cause... Rolls Royce. There's yeah. only there's a yeah. s- select number of them, and they sound amazing.
1: Yeah, they—they they, had to. I mean, the story of that is absolutely incredible. There was a security guard there, with like mm. I think I think he had a gun or something, and like an armed guard for the violin. Yeah, basically, yeah, nobody could go near it um, <laughs> for, for for the entire month. I think they were they, they were recording. Um, the mayor told everybody to be quiet <gasps> because they were recording, and you know they could hear like even footsteps and stuff out, outside this. This auditorium or whatever it is. Oh yeah, because when you
0: record something like that, you want to record it in a concert hall, not in a dead studio. It, well,
1: I think, yeah, yeah, and I'm not sure exactly what what the what the room was. I think it was actually a, a special quartet room as well, because yes. it's a quartet um, they were recording. And uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it sounds amazing. They they have this like really weird contact because contact's of BST. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had this, uh, this thing with um, all the scripting, all the crazy back-end scripting, where the vibrato, mm-hmm. like, I, th- I think it moves between different samples, so the vibrato actually almost sounds like sounds really close to actual vibrato, which wow. is really difficult um, and very, very nerdy. So yeah, well, it's the, uh, it's the
0: same thing as ever, isn't it? The hardest thing at the moment. This is going to change in our lifetime, but at the moment, the hardest thing. Uh, for us with computers is to make them act and think like people. You have to yeah. be... That's what code's all about, right? Coding is trying to talk to a computer in language that it understands because it's so... You need to be so specific and prescriptive and, you know... Yeah. It, it's, it's a specific gripe I have with some bits of software that they don't... They still lack human intelligence. So, yeah. do you have any voice assistants like Alexa or anything like that? No, no, I no,
1: no. No, it's just yeah. not for me. I don't know, like... Also, in especially, I think, in Germany. Um, I mean, I've lived here for almost 10 years now. And in that time, you, you pick up a lot from from the culture and the vibe. And I don't know, I think things like, things like Alexa and Google Home, they are picking up a little bit now, but it's still, you know, why would I want to have a voice assistant in my home that's always listening, that's yeah. like, here? yeah. However, you know, I go back home at Christmas and... My dad's got one uh, right next to his bed because that's yeah. what he uses for his alarm. My sister's got one in her in her um, kitchen. Yeah. My niece and nephew both have what's all. I mean, you know, so that's really
0: weird. So they've, they've taken on more here in a way that they haven't in Germany. Yeah, yeah do you yeah. think for some reason in Germany, maybe in parts of Germany, they're a little bit wary of bugging their own house? It brings back memories, you know.
1: You know, yeah, I think so. But I think I think they're also conscious of that as well. Like they're not they're not. Um, you know that they've lived through that
0: and they're, yeah they're, they're they've had actual, really crazy yeah.
1: experiences um yeah. so of course you know they are a bit more warier um that's wary. mad
0: i never thought of that that you know us in america are uh, so much more willing to, to have voice assistance because we haven't lived under an authoritarian regime
1: <laughs> i mean the, the the differences are quite stark now that i that that I've been here for so long, and then I go back, especially for a month, yeah. And you you see how things are are different. Um, you know, even like the topic of sort of like mental health in, in yes. the UK, it's,
0: it's it's huge. What's the and difference between there and here?
1: I don't. I really don't. Don't see the the topic being talked about in the same way over here. You know, like literally back in the UK, you can be watching, uh, you know, GMTV or whatever it is now. Uh, yes, and you know, like maybe they have someone just talking about whatever book they're doing or whatever or, you know they're a chef or whatever and then they can literally be in the next sentence talking about their, their mental health and how they've they've over, overcome that it's much more part of the dialogue now of, of entertainment of, mm. you know, and, that, and that type of thing and then you see the adverts and things that are coming out yes um, and so it's, a, it's that that's a massive difference that I see already um, and then there's yeah this just those Loads of bits and pieces which are different. Even, even, even up until probably up until about two, two or three years ago, um, sort of like all, automatic cash machines or like automatic um, shop.
0: Oh, is uh, that what they call them in America? Automatic teller machines. I, I have no idea because
1: I've actually com- com- completely forgot the the, the the word from that. But do you know when you're in a shop and you go to shelf, uh, self, self uh, checkout? Yeah. We're called, called CASA here. But uh, even up until about three years ago, you wouldn't really have uh, like a a self-service at all. And people, when they do use them, like they're very wary. They don't understand the UX of it. They don't understand like how it all kind of works. So that's quite sort of strange.
0: That's fascinating. Um,
1: And uh, I mean, COVID was quite interesting because COVID um, sort of like made a lot of local businesses um, actually get for the first time, like, you know, pay by card like yeah. card, card machines. Yeah. So now, you know, you have local shops that you can actually pay for with card because literally up until then, you'd have to go like and <laughs> get cash and yes. only pay in cash. Um, and where I live, you know, that's still a thing that lots of co- lots of like small businesses still all, only want to be paid in cash.
0: Yeah, um, it's, so it's, it's, it's interesting because I don't know much about Germany at all. And so I'm probably flying way. Uh, someone's going to correct me and you know slap me for this, saying that it has anything to do with you know the East Germany West Germany divide. But from that perspective, because obviously you're in Berlin, but you're talking yeah. about the German culture itself, not just Berlin.
1: Yeah, I think I think I mean there's definitely a Berlin centric nature to it. Having been to like Frankfurt and to other yeah. places, they they are a bit more different because they have you know well, I mean Frank Frankfurt is more like the financial yes. uh, area. Munich is. Very sort of like international and has been for. Is
0: Munich years. kind of hipstery and you know kind of cool? <sighs> Munich
1: gets a bad press <laughs> in right. Berlin, but because uh, it's Bavaria, so like it's okay. like the north-south divide type thing. Okay, yeah. uh, it still exists even in Germany. But um, yeah. I, I actually don't mind uh, Munich. It's it, it's it's a really be- beautiful city. It's quite sort of like uh, old. Yeah, um, but it is nice. Um, everyone's just different. Like Berlin yeah. is very more like creative and like bohemian and like you know musicians and artists and blah yeah. blah, blah blah. Uh whereas Munich's not quite that. Um but you know it's it's really nice and you know half an hour away you're in like Alps and things like that. So, so I
0: guess I guess the question is and this is this is I know what you mean. This, this is where I am an in idiot. Um is Berlin uh in what was formerly West Germany?
1: Uh uh, uh former East, brother.
0: Right. East. Are you doing a quick Google? Yeah, that was that was what was informing my question, really, because I was going to say we're talking about the voice assistants, and obviously, you know, East Germany existed until what was it, nineteen ninety? So, from a psychological perspective, the Second World War only ended like thirty years ago. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Basically, for them, and uh, you know, they had this. Well, it wasn't the Second World War, but you know, they had this sort of like um, that's socialism. um, Yes, from from Russia.
0: Um, And, you know, a a large, a a high proportion of people were government informants. So, yeah, it's hard to ship a product in that kind of environment where it listens to you all the time. But um, and I I got that idea, by the way, from Pod Save America, which was a podcast by President Obama's speechwriters. And they were laughing about it in 2016. They said Jeff Bezos couldn't understand why people didn't want to bug their own living room. It wasn't shifting as well. But I guess back to the original point was, It's about human intelligence. You have to ask a very specific question to still to voice assistants. They won't generalize from what you're trying to say and understand what, you know, get the gist of it. So, you know, I do wonder when that's going to change. But obviously with the, you know, that's what we were talking about, the whole coding thing and uh, the interaction with the dev team at Native Instruments. And I suppose one of the things that reveals, one of the things my question reveals is I've never worked in a business that is that big where... Effectively, there are whole teams that feel like they may as well be in different companies or even different countries.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff that they were talking about was was wild and crazy, um, and you know, you don't really talk talk to them um, very often. Um, and yeah, they would. I mean, it, it it was quite big. You know, there, there was four hundred in Berlin, and then I think two hundred around the rest of the world. You know, they got an LA office. Um, they had one in China London office as well Um, Paris they'd had I think they were opening up a Canadian office as well so you know they they were growing and and they're huge around around the world Um, and you know it's it's one of those things as well where you you never realise you know for what we do in music tech in music production you don't realise that like companies like that do exist they are big um Because, I don't know, for me anyway, it just felt like... It always felt a bit, like, personal and intimate. But Mm -hmm. maybe that's just because I used them since I was 13 or whatever. I don't
0: know. No, I do know what you mean. Uh, There's something very seductive about their product. And, you know, a bit of background for me. When I I came into this business when it was about a year and a half old, uh, maybe two years, and I was just... I, I had learned a bit on Logic and wasn't really a producer and a bit on Ableton. And... Unless you're very very good, and you said you work with the, what's a better? I want to say native, but native is confusing in this context. You know the the inbuilt VSTs in yeah. Ableton. Yeah. I think I think personally, unless you're very good, they're actually quite difficult to make them sound good. If you're a beginner, yeah, uh, they can sound quite flat and flabby. And yeah. so I would come in here, and Steve, uh, who was the, the sort of senior engineer at the time and senior composer, would be you know uh, just calling up instruments and playing them and they sounded amazing out of the box. Yeah, yeah, And, you know, they sound that good that you can, for a demo, you can get away with just playing everything in and not even doing a mix because, you know, somehow they're all designed to sit together. So, yeah, it was, you know, it was, uh, they are great and it's, that's you know, it's been interesting talking to you about what your experience was like there being in the, uh, forgive me, being in the mothership but, we've not talked about uh M&C Saatchi, which is where no, you are now. It. Yeah. And, you know, it's very <laughs> rare that you have a conversation in advertising with an advertiser from a Saatchi business and you don't talk about Saatchi.
1: Yeah.
0: So, uh, <laughs> Ted, talk to me about how you got, I know, I get the impression you kind of went in and out and then back in again.
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah. I, I was working for WPP, um, which was cool, and working on Pan- Panasonic and Mini, uh, which are yeah. good clients. Um, but then after sort of like doing, you know, the millionth, Panasonic fridge. Yeah, uh, I thought you know what, well, there's got to be more to this. And, uh, and I was, I sent, I sent up my my portfolio to the guys here in um, in Sarchi in sports and entertainment. I got invited in. Uh, managed to wing it. I, I don't know what the hell I talked about for an hour, but we talked about something. Um, and yeah, they hired me as their sort of like in sports and entertainment here as their first creative um, that they have ever had that was in house. So that was like cool. And then I was here for a year. We did some pretty cool stuff for Volkswagen, um, a lot for Volkswagen actually. Um, We did some stuff for Heineken and bits and pieces like that. Um, But then I got poached to go to uh, a boutique agency, which was the Adventures of, um, where we did stuff for Asics and Asics Tiger. Yeah, that was like really cool, um, very sort of like rebellious in nature. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you know, then I went to Native. And then I came back uh, because I just for, for me native was really cool and it is a really good like a good company to work for, um, but I just missed the pace of life of agency world. Um, yeah, you know it's it is faster, it's more demanding. Um, you know, but I I kind of thrive on that because I I thrive on like that bit of pressure just to you know create diamonds basically. Yes, um, and that's what I was kind of, kind of missing. So eventually. Yeah you know, I got an offer to come back here as CD um, to lead the, lead the department here. Um, and that was like, you know, crazy because I'd gone from sort of like kind of mid-creative uh, and then I went to sort of like marketing manager, which is a whole new like world of project managing and yes. blah, 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 blah. And then to come back in as creative director um, was like pretty cool. Um, so what are the
0: big differences between you know, often people get promoted internally, they go creative to creative director, and I imagine there's a bit of a transition period where your former colleagues now see you as, I thought you were still one of us, but now you're the manager. Uh, yeah. Was there, Did you manage to avoid that because you went out and back in?
1: No, I think I think when I first started, there was a brief period where it felt a bit like that, mm-hmm. but that changed pretty quickly. Good. Um they, they were, they're were really accepting here at, at Sarchi. Like, we are a big family, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. and we look after each other. And so it all just felt very natural. It was really good to be back, to see some, like, friend, some friendly faces, Yeah, see some new faces. Um, and so, yeah, I've just, like, I've stayed here at, at Sports & for the last, what, two, three years now. So, yeah, um, yeah it's been good. It's been good.
0: So what kind of projects yeah. do you get to work on if you're in Sports & Entertainment?
1: Well, a lot of stuff that we do. So it's, it's, it's crazy because, you know, we have like, so in Berlin office, um, just to give a bit of context to everybody, uh, we've been around since, God knows, since, since 2006 as MSC C. Saatchi. Yeah. Uh, in 2012, we started the sports and entertainment business here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a digital side as well. So in total, we're about 60 people. In sports and entertainment, we're about, I don't know, maybe 11, 12 ish people.
0: Oh, so it's not um, even that
1: big? No, it's not. It's not. It's not massive. Um, but for what we do, like we have a pretty good team set up. Yep. Um, we're also still nimble enough to, you know, we can have, we can work with the other teams as well um, wherever we need to um, mm. on joint projects, which is cool. Um, and so, yeah, um, we're we're a small team, very nimble. I completely
0: forgot the question. Uh, it was. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, it's what we all do when we start selling, isn't it? Uh, wait, I started talking about us again. <laughs> it was about uh, managing the transition from being one of the you know team to leading the team, and the friction that that might that might oh, cause. Yeah. But yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, no, there wasn't any any crazy friction. Like that. The type of work that we do. Yeah. That was it. That was the question. Uh, like,
0: I, I'm gonna. We're gonna make sure our editor animates a light bulb going on. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Do. I mean, it's Friday. Come on. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: The type of work that we do. So um, we do. We we were primarily known for like a lot of, of activation stuff, mm-hmm. um, especially around brand experience, and those are big marketing words. But we did basically lots of uh, booths, stands, things like that. Uh, we. We've done lots of sponsorship, uh, like strategy and guidance yeah. stuff that you don't necessarily see as a consumer, um, but all but, you know, which are big topics uh, mm-hmm. that, that we dealt with. Um, we have done uh, branded content, which was a big thing, um, and it's something that you know we still push uh, throughout here. And we've now done our first sort of like made for TV ads um, last year, the end of last year. Okay. Um, so that's kind of cool, but basically we do a bunch of different disciplines from PR to branded content to activations to strategy yeah. to God knows what else. Uh, it's the full range, um, but mainly within the pro- properties of sports and entertainments, um, people sort, sort of passions really. Um, yeah, that's that's the type of stuff that we're into. And last year we launched um, Fabric, which is our sort of like lifestyle um, sub-brand. Yeah. And that's all to do with like um, like people's hyper passions, whether that's like food or cooking or um, yoga or things like that. So yeah. Like really going even deeper now on, you know, it's not just like sports and lifestyle. It's like yoga or like uh, strongman or powerlifting or whatever, you know, yeah. those, those types of things. So yeah, that's mainly what, what we do. Um, we're pretty lucky that we get to do some pretty enviable work. We, mm-hmm. you know, like last year, we did stuff with Roger Federer, uh, which is really cool. And we've worked with uh, Fabio Widmer, who's a really like amazing Red Bull athlete. Um, and we did some, yeah, loads of bits and pieces. We've um, done the UEFA 2015, because <laughs> I'm not a football fan, but we did the UEFA uh, 2015, sort of like final, um, sort of like, yeah, trophy. Um, tour, which was like amazing. So,
0: um, yeah. It surprised me that you're not a football person because I don't know, for some reason, I think it must just be the accent I assumed you would be. But
1: um. <laughs> everyone asks me because, you know, like whenever you live abroad, also, also where you're from, and you always have to say, well, I'm from near Manchester or Manchester. Yeah, I always <laughs> feel bad for you guys.
0: Yeah. Who were like, who were like orbiting Manchester. So, you know, Blackpool yeah. and uh, Lancashire types. You always have to say, yeah, I'm from near Manchester. You have to, you know. Yeah. Pretty
1: much, pretty much. But so, so, are you, are you, are you from from Manchester proper,
0: or? Yeah, well, you know, people from Manchester proper tell me I'm not, and I don't sound like it. I grant you, but um, yeah, I'm from Stockport, which is okay, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. that is a little are little they, town just yeah. south of the Manc. But no, I'm not from like Levenshulme or Moss Side or anything. You know, like people yeah, yeah. people from those kind of areas say, yes, we are from Manchester, and that's where the the uh, perimeter yeah, yeah. cuts off. But um, yeah, one thing I was going to ask, I, I was, I really wanted to to know and we're sort of running short on time might overrun by a little bit is working in a uh, working in Germany let's say and you know you're like me a northerner from the north of England how do you manage do you have to work in German I presume you speak German by now uh, I, I speak badly um,
1: <laughs> and I understand more than I let on uh, and that's a good tip for anybody um, yeah But uh, yeah, I think we have a healthy balance um, and it comes down to to trust as well. Um, We've got a healthy balance of good creatives. Um, Not all of our work is German-centric. So a lot of the stuff that we do is like with global brands. So whether that's Mercedes, um, um, yeah, especially with with Mercedes, it's global work that we deal with. So um, we don't really tend to go... um, I tend to need to sort of deliver presentation things in German it's mainly in in English well how do you um, manage
0: then living there for 10 years and not being super fluent I mean you, you strike me as well adjusted and you don't seem like you know I, I my assumption would be that you'd feel somewhat isolated not speaking the language but I guess everyone speaks English there don't
1: they pretty much yeah and like as I said I, I do I can speak enough to to, to get, get by and to speak to people if I want to and when yep. I want to, so that's not really a too too much of an issue. I would say that you know, like it is always worth you know learning language. Yeah, uh, I'm definitely terrible at doing it, um but again, it's one of those things that I need to need to improve on. My girlfriend's Italian as well, and I'm trying uh, to learn Italian, and that's also you know I've been with her for for a few years now, and even that it's just like.
0: I I take it. Not um, oh, enough. <laughs> so so is she fully like trilingual and speaking everything? Like
1: yeah yeah yeah.
0: She she. I mean she can speak English
1: English German uh, Spanish. I think some French. Yeah. And now she Northern as well. So she's she's fluent she got accent. On, yeah, she's fluent on Lancastrian. Amazing. <laughs> so, like
0: I I used to work with a girl called Alexia Lamaru I think she was called, and uh, she was from Germany, and. Uh, spoke English better than I did, and then we had some. It was when I was in hospitality. Uh, we had some French customers come in, and I was like, "God, guys, what are we going to do?" And Lexi just starts speaking full French and sits them down. I was like, yeah. "How are you all doing this? Why are we? Why are we so bad at this in England?" Yeah, but it is. But it is like the the system of how
1: we're brought up. I mean, you get mm. taught. I mean, it's crazy now that you think about it. That, that you know, we 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 get to learn French, and if you're good at French, you can then learn German. Yeah, but then we also, you know we completely omit learning Scots Gaelic or Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> two of the like, two, two of the languages that you you can literally be at within a few hours, you yeah. know, that are on your doorstep. And you just don't learn them either. You're just like,
0: it makes no sense. Well, that's when um, you learn the, uh, the, 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 the dark industrial motivations behind why you were educated. It's like, are you more or less likely to be economically useful speaking Irish Gaelic or Scottish yeah. Gaelic or Welsh? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, as you, you, you even indicated there, it's uh, regrettably no
1: <laughs> yeah exactly well yeah that's that's the main thing isn't it really but yeah. maybe now it might change who
0: knows who knows <laughs> yeah hey, yeah now we're all uh, now we're all brexited up it's going to be yeah, good exactly, so uh, exactly. let's uh, let's do let's do the final chapter because you're very obviously interested in music and very passionate about it and so i need to know what you're listening to i'm going to need you to send a spotify playlist over to us because we do be. for all the episodes now but yeah. well yeah what's uh, what's on your record collection right now
1: uh, right now, it's a lot of Colin Stetson, um, lots of crazy, sort of weird, post-post uh, metal. Mm-hmm. So my sort of like background was, you know, especially when I was a teenager, it was like grindcore and stoner music and death metal and things like that. Yeah. So that that's with me. Um, so yeah, the new the new Cult of Luna will be there, and I've listened to them since, yeah, since about 2002. Yeah. One of my favorites there'll probably be some Oasis on there because, you know, that's just who I am as well. Unavoidable, aren't. isn't it? Yeah, I love Oasis. And other than listening to Oasis, like, so... Is
0: there a bigger cliche? Yeah,
1: exactly, <laughs> exactly. A
0: exactly. Londoner singing Wonderwall.
1: <laughs> exactly. And and I'm sure there'll be some some, some techno on there. Um, who knows what? Um, but yeah, there'll definitely be some, some techno. Yeah. Always on the playlist as well.
0: Yeah, I had, you know, um, I had a moment where I was started discovering what what I don't know what they call it. I think they call it electronic listening music. You know where it's not dance music, yeah. but it is by a great producer like Bonobo yeah. or Tet or John Hopkins stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know you might feel a bit it'd be weird dancing to John Hopkins. Well, maybe it would. It's very intense. But um, but yeah, I. I I'm happy about that aspect of my personality. I inherited it from my father. Where, you know, for many people, and I don't think you're one of these people, I I, I don't gather. for klar, for...
1: uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Alice klar. Tschüss. Sorry.
0: There you go, there you uh, a, a, first, a first-hand <laughs> example. Exactly. Uh, you, you know, for a lot of people, there, and this is not a disparaging comment because it's an aspect of personality. But for a lot of people, their music taste kind of freezes at the age of 16, 17. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy not being one of those people, or at least you know, I like, I like exploring all my music. But I find that there's entire like genres where I discover, and I think, why wasn't I listening to this back when? I don't know why it's important, but do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. 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 I mean I, I, I don't know I mean I think also how, how how music is made now is probably so different to back then anyway that all, you have all these weird genres I think yes. when I think back to to sort of like the 2000s you know you had you had artists like um like Apex Twin and stuff yeah. but, and and they were doing similar stuff to what John Hopkins and things are like doing now but I was just never interested but yeah. nowadays it's like oh yeah wicked like
0: Afex twins, mind blowing. Sometimes I remember listening to uh, some Apex twin with one of my mates when we were under the influence, and uh, and he's just he goes, the guy just doesn't loop. No, <laughs> no, no, two bars are the same. It's crazy.
1: It's crazy. Have you uh, listened to um, what is it? Cocktail party effects or something like
0: that? No, no. Yeah, you have to cocktail well,
1: party effects.
0: What is this Twins? twin? Nelson.
1: No, no, no. But it's just like a really, it's just really weird fucking music. It's just, yeah. I, but it's great. I love it. It's great. The, uh, there's also a really cool venue here called Funk House. Um, and they had this uh, installation called Monom. And it was yeah. this sort of like 3D sound system. Yeah. Um, and you could like, I guess it was kind of like this whole like ELM, what, like electronic listening music type yeah. thing. Yeah, And I went there one night and... Uh, it was pretty surreal. And I, I led down on the floor because, you know, this is like Berlin. This is the type of weird shit that you do.
2: Really? And I laid
1: down on, on the floor and I thought, yeah, this is okay and cool and whatever. But then I found out later that actually you shouldn't really lie down on the floor. You should like walk around because the more you walk around, it's basically like 16 different, um, I think it's 16... Um, stacks of sort of like speakers Yes, and you can walk around and every single speaker has like a different sound coming from it and,
0: and so if you lie down you're getting like a sixteenth of the experience exactly yeah. exactly
1: exactly. I think I'm i I'm, I'm pretty sure it's 16 speakers but it's all this like 4D weird sound shit binaural processing yeah it. no it's that sounds it, that sounds
0: like the place to be so hey, I'm going to ask I'm going to ask one more question and I'm happy we haven't covered this yet because Uh, It's kind of, well, it's just dominated conversation for the last 10 years, it feels like. But uh, how is the, what's the mood over there like regarding COVID? Because I think one thing we have not yet realized is that every country's experience of COVID is unique. And we imagine that how we feel about it and how we've experienced it translates to everyone, but it just doesn't. So, you know, not everyone has furlough, not everyone has tiers, tier one, two, three, etc. What's it like over there? Uh I mean we're
1: on lockdown now until mid Feb. Mm-hmm. Um schools are closed. Um I think parents and yeah parents especially are start, starting to feel a bit tired by okay. now. Um yeah. so that's the same. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's the thing. Um I think everyone's everyone's just a bit a bit tired of, of this now but we, we're we're quite socially sort of like aware that yeah. if if we go through the motions now and sort of like stay locked down, um, then it will help later on. You know, um, so go through the pain now rather than you know for the next four years have a lockdown every six months. Yes. Um, so it's a bit more. We're all in it together. Still, yeah, um, it's a bit different compared to the UK. I really had the sense that when I was back at Christmas that everybody was sort of like really fed up of COVID, like yeah. really, really fed up and um, people weren't adhering to to things like masks and yeah. stuff like that. Here, it's, you know, like we got told the other day that now we have to wear um, surgical masks whenever we go on uh, public transport or in shops. We've had mandatory masks and face coverings since, since very early on last year, maybe in like, I don't know, yes. April
0: or something. But it's the it's the, it's the type of mask.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So now it's changed to like surgical and specific ones that, that we can wear yeah. um, for those things. So but
0: Those are really cool. Did you see that thing Dave Dye shared? It was like, he, was, he did a blog post like, why do people not do product demo advertising anymore? Yeah. Uh, this would have worked for COVID. And so there was this kid Trying to blow out, you know, a lighter, cigarette lighter, through yeah. various types of fabric and through the surgical masks, he just couldn't make a dent. It didn't even move.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's funny. Was that was that was that a kid? Because yes. I definitely saw I saw one where it was like an American, and it was this famous guy. Well, I say famous, he's a viral guy. Yeah. Uh, and and it was his first video in like two years or something, and he did the exact same thing. He had like this this like fake uh, he had this fake head with a mask on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he had like an aerosol with a lighter and was doing like flamethrower type things. Uh, and yeah, it was just crazy to see that, like, you know, he, he was setting off this fire and the mask just like, it just really just helped stop like any sort of like aerosol go, go through basically. Amazing. It was, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'll send you the link anyway, but it's yeah, uh, yeah.
0: We'll, we'll, we'll it's throw pretty, it. Up it's, pretty,
1: it's pretty wild. It's pretty yeah, wild. So.
0: But I'm kind of glad to hear that even, you know, even in Germany, I, it's an odd thing to be glad about but I'm happy to hear that there's even a bit of a mood of weariness with it over there because over here especially on the liberal side of things and you know I count myself as a, a liberal people are kind of wor- hero worshipping Germany as like the best country in the world who do everything perfectly and everyone's a, a, a superman yeah. Or, and uh, yeah it's just it's co- I guess it's comforting to know that it's not only us who are getting weary of it but I do feel like we have not had the same quality of like moral leadership that you have in Germany, and I don't mean that like again hero worshiping. I just mean I think uh, Angela Merkel in particular is not as um, is 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 better at giving bad news to people than Boris Johnson is. I think Boris Johnson thrives on giving good news. I think it's also you know the plan like there's a plan, yes, and they stick to it, like yes. Whereas we change ours every three months. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think you know like. Um, I read before that now back in the UK that the R rate. I mean, this has probably changed by the time this goes out. But yeah, R, it's back the up R rate as
0: we all went out. <laughs> yeah.
1: The R rate is now under under one, and yes. we're talking ages back that if it goes underneath one, then there's like like we can lessen some things. And you just think, no, this is like this is not a good idea. Like, stick to the plan.
0: Yeah, stop promising more than you yeah. can deliver. Stop trying yeah. to keep people happy. That's why I. Um... I put uh, my favorite Lord Well, not my favorite, but for the last year, it's been popping into my head every few minutes. It's a few, let's say a few days. Lord, favorite clip from Lord of the Rings where um, Gandalf assumes control of Gondor because uh, the steward of Gondor, what's he called? Denethor... Yeah. Uh, just decides to abandon ship and says, fuck it, we're not going to win this war. Everyone leave. And so Gandalf just, uh, you know, whacks him around the head and, and just tells everyone to get ready for for war. And I think that's what we've needed. I feel like you kind of have that over there a bit better than we do.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, the, the world's weird. Everything's changing now. We've got a new president in the US. Yeah. Um, you know, we have this sort of thing that's happening in Italy where the, the government, like... <laughs> basically survived the other day so that's happening survived um, yeah yeah did not hear about this no but... no
0: we, we we just get covid and joe biden news at the okay. moment but your yeah, girlfriend's yeah, yeah. italian tell me about yeah, it yeah
1: exactly so so conti faced um, a vote of no confidence wow um and yeah because basically his his coalition partner left uh <laughs> for whatever reason so so that happens um and then you know in the uk you've got covid and then you've got brexit so there's going to be so much, so so many changes over the next year. Yeah, um, and you know we've just got to do, got to, got to do the best, really that, that we can do. Yeah, and have a bit of fun whenever we can, and try new things, and yeah, do yeah. wonderful things. Are you?
0: Are you? Do you? I mean, I'm asking another normal person like me, not a medical expert. So you know, disclaimer. But are you confident that we'll be seeing something akin to normality before the end of the year?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I definitely hope there's something there. But I'm also a bit a bit weird about like nor- normality because you know I think it's also been really really good to see how things still work even even when everybody <laughs> has to stay at home and what it means for for everything in the future you know like
0: yeah we've um, had the test of human adaptability that we've not had in the West we've not had to do for about seventy years
1: yeah exactly exactly so I think I think there's some some th- thoughts there about like. You know, where do we want to go, um, and what do we want to make normal? Because I don't, I don't think personally. I don't think getting up and going into an office five days a week is probably that normal. Actually, I think you know, if you split it to you know maybe three days in, two days out, or whatever, uh, I think that's going to be more productive. It's it's quite interesting that the creative side of things in in the UK, especially you know, the ideas happen in pubs and in bars. And yes, away from desks. And uh, it's it's a bit more different here. People right. tend to still stay in um, the environment that, that we're in. So like an office. We work or in work
0: and we play out of work.
1: Yeah, kind of, yeah. I mean, you know, it's just something. It's, so, it's it is a thing. Um, I mean, I don't really encourage anybody to, to be work here out of work if, if they don't need to. Like if they don't need to be in a room, then don't be in a room. Um, yeah, in this building, really. So, so it's, it's it's how it goes. I mean, we're all working from home anyway. Um, mm. I just came in because my internet is so bad. Yeah, um, at
0: home, and, and, it's, and it's a good backdrop, and you don't have to, uh, you know, <laughs> exactly, you to exactly. explain it. But exactly. uh, I know what you mean, though. And uh, I, to our to our the generation of our children, it will seem weird. In you know, kids and kids who are born now will have grown up with social media. Uh, so. Yeah. Pre-social media will seem not abnormal as a life before I don't know TV and music does to us, yeah, yeah. and to you know whoever our, our children's generation they might find it weird that at one point you all had to go into the same room to do the task.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, it's yeah, it's just wild, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and you know, like even, even things like presentations and pitching, things like that. Like I, I don't know. I mean, it's always good to be able to speak to people in person, but, you know, you realize now that maybe we don't need to go on a two-hour flight to wherever. Yes, um, I, I do pitch. hope
0: that it's curbed the worst kind of excesses. I do yeah, hope it's trimmed those Exactly. Things off.
1: And I, I think I think that's what I'm, what I'm I'm interested in. It's not so much like how soon can we get back to normal and where we're all jet-setting and blah, blah, blah. blah. It's more about like, you know, what can we take from this that will actually improve the world, our lives, um and that's i think it's a bit more important um you know i think it gives us a lot of chance as well just to to, to mess around with new with new things like i've started doing painting i did sketching yeah. last year yeah uh sourdough i started doing as well yeah. and you know like without this I, I wouldn't have done any of that shit at yeah. all so uh, yeah it's
0: interesting hey well we'll do another one sometime where we talk about sourdough because I had my sourdough moment <laughs> well, I, I had my own version of lockdown from the age of 24 to 26 because I was just so broke and back living with my parents that yeah. couldn't go out and do anything ever so, uh, same, so- I,
1: d- I did that one so don't we? yeah there. we've all
0: done it but yeah. for some reason I chose to do sourdough during that era <laughs> so I'll find you on Instagram and I'll send you my ultimate sourdough I'm very that proud sounds of good that yeah, sounds man. good <laughs> so um, hey this is a good place to wrap it up so I'm going to um, stop the recording there